Welcome to Overflow, the podcast exploring what is and is not inherently visible about those who build with Webflow. I'm Matthew Munger from the Webflow community team, and in each episode, we highlight the unique perspectives, passions, and experiences that fuel the creative mind of our guest. From Metro Manila in the Philippines, we are joined by independent designer Francis Toe. Francis is an award-winning designer known for bringing elements and inspiration from other disciplines, such as graphic design, fashion, and even journalism. In this episode, we discuss how her natural curiosity helps her to work better with clients, focusing personal growth on long-term goals, and the importance of exploration in acquiring new skills. Featuring Francis Toe, this is Overflow. Hey, Francis, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Matthew, thanks for having me. Why don't we start off with getting to learn a little bit more about you? Sure. So, my name's Francis, and I'm currently an independent designer who specializes in designing bespoke websites and interactive stories. Where are you located, and what's it like living there? So, I'm from Metro Manila, Philippines. And in terms of what it's like living here, I would say it's quite good. Like, there are a lot of great restaurants around the city. I get to hang with my friends. So, yeah, I would say it's big enough for you to get around and have a good time. I guess there are a lot of malls nearby. So, like, if I'm feeling stressed, on a given day, I can just go to the mall and then walk around, go shopping. That's one of the good things about living in uh, Metro Manila. There's a place called Bonifacio Global City. And so there are a lot of areas for you to walk around. You can bring your dog, talk to other people who also you know bring their dogs. Anything else that you like to do around the city besides shopping? Besides shopping. Well, at home, I like listening to a lot of classical music. Uh, my my favorite composer is Frederick Chopin. Do you ever visit like outside of the city? A few weeks ago, uh, we had this thing in Philippines called Holy Week. It's a very religious holiday, actually. Uh, and then during that week, a lot of people either go to the church and then they pray. Then some people go out of town for a vacation. So what I did was I went with my family to this wellness resort, not too far from Manila. I think it's like a two-hour drive. And then all their food's like really healthy, a lot of fish, a lot of vegetables, no meat. Mm. There's a lot of like, you get lots of massages. Um, you get to swim in the pool. So you know, it's very relaxing. And I, I took a bunch of nice photos too so it was great it was like this this huge plot of land and then there are like mostly coconut trees around and then the the people who own that plot of land turned that into a wellness resort i wouldn't mind going myself <laughs> you should go it's it's really great what does your workspace look like i think my workspace is pretty much like every other person's workspace so my laptops there and then on my left there are a, a stack of design books which i read from time to time mm-hmm. on my right there are two containers filled with different pens and pencils so one container or one jar uh, is for colored ball pens the other jar is for let's say black markers or black ball pens everything black and then behind the two jars is a small square canvas with 
an abstract painting that I made last year. I have this organizer where I put all my highlighters, my earphones, my bookmarks, everything there just so that it's organized in one tiny box. So you're you're an artist as well, right? I used to be one. Actually, when I was four, I was already into drawing and painting. And I guess that just translated into a design career later on. Mm. What are you doing with all of your drawing utensils there? Are you sketching? Like, is it for work or is it for fun? To be honest, <laughs> I only use like maybe 20% of all the, the ball pens there. But sometimes, though, when I need to color code some stuff, I really need to grab a colored pen and then just, um, you know, write some stuff or color some stuff. So, you know, you never know when you'd be needing them, right? And I feel like um, having those ball pens ready is more convenient than, say, opening a huge box, getting the stuff out, and then getting that thing buried in the box. Do you listen to any music while you work? You mentioned classical. A lot, like yeah. 24-7. Um, I listen to Chopin all day and for some reason i never get tired of it but i also listen to music by sergey rachmaninoff so mostly those two people for classical music but i also have like a variety of interests so i like music from the early 2000s so if you're a millennial <laughs> you like those tracks i have another for maybe k-pop i'm not a huge k-pop fan but it's good to listen to music you know from around the world like Okay, there's K-pop, there's Filipino pop, and then there's a classical. <laughs> Do you have any hobbies or interests? Well, listening to music, sometimes I would go shopping online, retail therapy, but I, I don't spend. I just like look at the nice clothes. Recently, I, I got into reading like Philippine Vogue magazine. So they, they released their first issue on September last year and it's been great like I really appreciate how you, you get to see what fashion's like in the Philippines. What is something that would surprise people to learn about you? Okay so I don't think many people know this but in the Philippines we have this airline called Philippine Airlines. When the pandemic started there was some girl who did the voiceover of the flight attendant right mm -hmm. and then she did a TikTok video about it she became super viral and everybody began praising her because her voice is so good so i tried copying her voice and then i pranked some friends into thinking that was a recording but actually it's my real voice so now i can say well i can do a flight attendant's voiceover <laughs> how would you describe your role and what you do every day so i'm an independent designer and that means working on a variety of projects every month or every two months. In the past month, I worked on an NFT website. And then this month, it's something architecture related. So I would say it's doing a bunch of projects from different industries. And the great thing about that is that you can learn a lot from these different industries. Like, for example, this month, um, I worked with this architect. Then I asked this architect, so... What do you think is the hardest type of building to design? Is it a mall? Is it condominium? And then he was like, oh no, those are like quite easy. What's hard to design is actually a hospital because you have to like manage the inflow and outflow of people. And then you know how some rooms couldn't be next to each other because you don't want to like spread some disease around. So I would say it's pretty difficult, you know, designing for healthcare. So, you no, know, just by talking to this architect, 
I learned a lot about what architecture is like. And I would say it's it's a little bit similar to a UX designer web design in a way, except they make physical face spaces. We make right. digital spaces. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. So do you ask those questions of your client when you're first getting to know them and the project? And does that help inform your build? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the questions I ask don't exactly have to be project related. I feel like I just ask these questions out of genuine curiosity. And mm. it's also my way of building rapport with my clients. Because yeah. if I, you know, get to understand them a bit more, then that might help me work with them better. What what are some other interesting projects? Okay, so this one's still in the works. I'm working on two side projects actually with my friend Maxine Pinpin. So shout out to Maxine or Mac. One project is an interactive story. So it's about the like fashioning the future of sustainable materials. So it talks about how in the future your your t-shirt could be made from mushrooms and could be dyed using some bacteria. That's actually very plausible. If like clothes are made out of biomaterials, it's actually eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And then the other project is another interactive website, this time about the history of the Terno. So the terno is the one of the types of clothing that Filipinos would wear sometimes during formal events or sometimes during like casual occasions. So it has like two sleeves, flattened sleeves. They're actually called butterfly sleeves because they have a lot of like folds and then yeah, they're teacup or bell shaped. So these they're two very sounds like story driven sites, huh? Yeah. The first time that you came across my path was you uh, built a website called The Haircut. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that project come to be? So when I was like browsing through the internet, I just noticed that a lot of articles tend to be static. A bunch of static text and then a photo, another bunch of text. I just mm -hmm. felt like this could have been done in a more interactive manner. But then I feel like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a static article. And I get why businesses would do that. But part of me wonders, like, you know, the web is a place where you can consume or absorb information, right? It's similar to reading a book, watching a movie. Mm -hmm. The only difference that when you read a book, you can smell the... The scent of the pages, you could flip through it. It's a very tactile experience. Right. When you watch a movie, you could see moving images flash before your eyes. So I was like, well, if these two types of like media are interactive, why can't websites do the same? So the haircut is my way of experimenting as to how far could static web stories be turned into something more interactive. And how is building that experiment, how did it affect you personally and like your skills as well as has it has it opened up opportunities for you? Yeah, a lot. So I when I did that, I actually got exposed a bit to the world of journalism. So I still think that my main light of work is mostly on design and web development, but as a designer, I think it's very important to immerse oneself in different fields. So I had a taste of like what journalism's like. Okay, how do you get your readers to care about what you wrote? How do you pull them into the story? And then once the project ended, there was this uh, competition by the pudding. 
So the pudding is this independent publication that showcases different data stories. So something like the sizes of women's pocket or like, hmm. oh, what exactly makes stand-up comedy funny? And then they go analyze the structure of it. Hmm. So they had this competition where you where people can just submit a visual story they made. So I submitted that. I didn't really expect anything. But when the results came out, I was actually like honorable mention award. So that was quite good, I would say. Nice. Yeah. And for folks who may not know, so the story that the Haircut website is about you, right? And you wrote the story and turned it into an interactive website. How is what you're doing now, building these kind of interactive story-driven web or internet experiences, how is that different from what you might have imagined you'd be doing? So when I was a kid, I thought I would be a fine artist, someone who would paint or draw for a living. When I got older, I thought, well, maybe I'd be someone who designs billboards or ads that you see on TV. Mm -hmm. Then as I got older a bit, I thought, oh, maybe I'd be an illustrator. Then later on, oh, maybe I would be a product designer who works at this company or startup. If I look back, I actually didn't expect that, you know, I would be an independent designer. But I would say that my experiences in different fields from fine art, graphic design, illustration, product mm -hmm. design, all of these past experience really informed my work as an independent designer. Do you have any aspirations for where you'd like to go from here or what kind of challenges you'd like to take on next? Well, one of my dream projects actually is something fashion related. It would be great, I would say, to design an interactive story for a client. I think most of the interactive stories I make right now are, are side projects, but hopefully it turns into something more. What excites and motivates you to keep being an independent digital designer? I would say it's the mastery of the craft. I know being a really, really good designer takes a long time, maybe years, 10 years, 20 years. And I want to just take this time to actually maximize what I could do as a designer. I feel like it's a noble aim, a noble pursuit, and it's something worth exploring. That's what keeps me up every day. The other thing is that in every work that I do, I always want to put my best foot forward to push the boundaries, to go beyond what I think I could do in the present. Because it just really takes time to, to be a master. So mm -hmm. I think it's about playing the long game. Being satisfied, being content where you are and who you are at this moment and keep striving for that, like you said, the long game. What is a resource that you think people in the community should know about? You know, the, the funny thing is, I don't really have a go-to resource. I feel like whatever I, I learned was just pulled from many different mm. resources. I would say maybe for graphic design. So it's nice that is this kind of like a publication that features different work from different mm. creatives. And it's just nice looking at how different people would approach you know, their projects. So I just really think that my work is heavily influenced by graphic design, print design. What else? Awards for web designers. There's a lot of great websites and awards types that sometimes push the boundaries. And I feel yeah. like, you know, just looking at those would give you something to to aspire or strive for yeah. when making your own website. A book called How To. Yeah. And it's written by, by Michael Bjork. 
he's a partner from Pentagram and mm-hmm. he's done a lot of great work and all his work is compiled in this book. And I just, you know, whenever I'd open it, I would just be amazed because when you look at his work, like you might think, oh, it's so simple. I can do that too. But if you really <laughs> try to reverse engineer everything, yeah, you're going to realize that, no, like what he does is really complex and mm. to get to his level of craft would take a really, really long time. So yeah, seeing the process that great designers go through to kind of get to that final outcome, it can be very enlightening. Is there someone in the Webflow community that inspires you? So I have like one person in mind. So her name's Angela Chua, also an independent designer who's based mm. in the Philippines. She's been freelancing, I would say. Just looking at her work makes me feel inspired because I now have someone in the Philippines who I look up to as a role model. So shout out to Angela. What is some advice that you would share with others? It's good to scratch your itch when it comes to following your curiosity. Hmm. I think what has made me like acquire different skills from graphic design to fine art and whatnot is because I just have this genuine curiosity for stuff that I like. And when I have this curiosity, I would always want to explore what's out there in that field. All right, Francis, if others in the community would like to reach out and connect with you, how can they do that? So you could reach out to me on Instagram. So my IG handle is francestoe.design. And you could also find me on Twitter. Twitter handle is francestoe927. 927 because that's my birthday, September 27. This was an Overflow episode with Francis Toe, produced by the Webflow community team with music by Joseph McDade. To learn more about the Webflow community, please visit webflow.com community. I've been your host, Matthew Munger. Thanks for listening.